This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, Brady PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. Talking about chicken a la king, mango and garbanzo, tabbouleh, real potatoes and vegetables, with roasted garlic and basil, zucchini, ziti, granola, fruit bar. Look at all this beautiful food. Welcome to Green Eggs and Dan, the show where I interview amazing humans with amazing minds and all I care about is what is in their fridge. Guys, I'm so excited about my guest today. He is he and I first met on the set of Bajillion Dollar Properties, which uh, you can see on iTunes, Amazon, Pluto TV for free. Uh, he then created his own show, Shrink, which is available for free on the NBC app and just lusciously bingeable. He was a correspondent on Jordan Klepper's show on Comedy Central, The Opposition. He's also been on Drunk History on Comedy Central. And you can currently see him on the hit HBO show, Righteous Gemstones, where he plays BJ. Absolutely hilarious. Please welcome. Welcome, Tim Baltz. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm still not used to doing a podcast, and I introduce people like they're about to do stand-up. I'm very excited to have you on the pod, because you are one of those sleeper sleeper foodies that a lot of people might not know, but yeah. we bonded very, very heavily on this. You, you are a man, you're a wine, wine guy, first and foremost, I think. Definitely. I mean, not... Not in the sense that I'm anywhere near a sommelier or, you know, any kind of actual wine snob or, but I, I love wine. Yeah. And I come from like my mom's side of the family. My mom's from the north of France and my grandpa no was. Fra. What's that? No. no yeah. No as, fra. We, as we call it, no fra. <laughs> uh, or no fra, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and he was a massive wine snob. Like he had a wine cellar. Um, he had, you could essentially, like buy small areas of uh, a vineyard. Like, yeah. Like you would sponsor it, and then in return you would get back, you know, three cases a year or something like that. And it was he, like a co-op. It was like a like a wine co-op. Yeah, essentially. But he had one uh, in a Chateau Neuf du Pape vineyard. Whoa. Yeah. I forget exactly what it's called. I have it written down somewhere which one because they, they're still up and running. They're still a, a, like a, a great get out of here. Yeah. That might be my favorite. Uh, my favorite wine. A good old Chateau Neuf de Pape. I mean, yeah. It doesn't get any better. No. 
But you're a very like you're you're my extroverted foodie friend. I feel like I'm a lot of people's introverted foodie friend. Yeah, I don't have much else to talk about. So whenever <laughs> there's a lull in conversation, I have to go to food because there's nothing else that's going to come out. You have a lot of other stuff to talk about. I'm better when I'm talking about food, though. But we've talked. About, I remember we were at a bar once at a wine bar, and and I don't. Remember, you got passionate. You were yelling about. I don't know what we were yelling about. There was something. Do you remember this? Was it politics? No, it was food etics. Oh, really? Yeah, food etics. Food or wine etics. Nice. Were we talking about natural wine? And you were like, "Man, fuck that shit." <laughs> I don't want to open that window, <laughs> but maybe my like former knowledge of it was like. These people are—they're taking the sulfites out of the wine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't—I—I'll sound like a snob. I really don't know that much about it, but there are certain—you know opinions. what you like, you know what you don't like. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Same. I think that that would be the category I put myself in. And my sister is in, like, she works in the food. Oh yeah, she's world. big in the food world. She is, and she works with a lot of hotshot chefs, and she's published books, and um, she used to be a food photographer, and she's, she has introduced me. Really, she was my gateway to foodie culture, and. Uh, and, and I give her a lot of respect because I was a, a novice at it and she would take me to these places and she would always say, oh, it's because, you know, you do improv and, and I love the way that you react to these things and, and you're so honest about with your reactions, but they're technically off center from what foodie culture or snobs or whatever would describe it. Interesting. Um, which which I was like, well, that's very nice. You might just be trying to trying gild to the lily right. while we're bonding over this thing uh, that, that you do and, and you're merging what I do with what you do. But um, she's one of the best people to share a meal with and she really made me comfortable in those environments. Yeah. Because, you know, aside from the French side of the family, which I experienced, you know, uh, once a year growing up, I grew up in Joliet, Illinois, and there still isn't really a restaurant scene Not there. much going on there. No. Although there are a couple that made the list. Really? Yeah. What list? Oh, the list the that list I gave that you. you sent. Oh, yeah. okay. Great. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to get to them. But first, we're going to get to your fridge. You sent me a picture of your fridge. It is going to be posted on my Instagram, <laughs> at StandUpDan, for the whole world to see. And I told you, do not, uh, you don't have to stage it at all. And boy, did you... Did you take my advice on that? <laughs> I fought. I got to be honest. I fought so hard to not stage it. You were no. I love it. I love. I actually like this fridge a lot. There's a couple things that that come at me that I'm into. I'm into the lemons and limes that are uncovered. Okay. You let lead it. Let you don't have to cover up your lemons and limes. Let them dry out there because you can just squeeze them and they'll dehydrate I, right away. Use them every day. So yeah. I'm not worried about them. Don't worry about that. Uh, th you have a lot of. There's a lot of tonic water. <laughs> yeah. What? Is that for gin and tonics? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's club soda in the back too. There's club soda. That you know, I, club soda and bitters if my tummy hurts. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's cranberry juice. Yeah. UTI. Uh, sure. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> okay, gotta you know, you can bleep this out, but you gotta, guys, you gotta keep the urethra wide. What are we gonna bleep out urethra? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that whole thing. Just, no, just give it like a good ten seconds of. Eh. <laughs> um, you got the chobes, chobani, chobani. You got the chobes. You also have some lilay. 
Yes, Lille Blanc. Lille Blanc, which is sort of like a French vermouth, French like after French uh, sweet wine. What 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 is Lille? Yeah, exactly? I guess it would be a sweet wine, but it's much sweeter and a little thicker in consistency than most dessert wines. Yeah. Um. So it's used as, as an aperitif. It's used as a mixer in a lot of cocktails. But in the north of France, especially, but I think all over France, shout out to Nofra, Nofra, uh, you would put it on ice um, and maybe serve it with like a, a wet, like a slice of orange or something like that. Interesting. So Is that it- that's uh, if I'm you know if I'm sitting around I'm like ah oh, you know I feel like a cocktail but I don't want to I'm not trying make to make something or pound vodka or tequila or something. Yeah, that's a smooth ah. drink. Do you do like a little uh, orange rind in there? Yeah, if I'm. Yeah, I, I mean, usually, fancy. no. <laughs> usually I'm a little too lazy to cut it. Uh, what is this thing? Uh, there's a, is that a pesto sauce in the bottom? That is a... There's a green jar in the bottom. Yeah, that's... Um, lately, Lily and I have been, uh, have been trying to do a couple vegetarian meals uh, only a week. So... Lily is uh, Tim's girlfriend and also the name of his aperitif. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why I like her. <laughs> and that sauce is from the Jelena cookbook, ah. uh, which is in Venice. Yes. Which is Wonderful great. Wonderful restaurant in Wonderful. Venice. It has great vegetarian options. Yeah. And that's like a... Because especially if you're cooking vegetables and you're new to it, you're new to vegetarian diet, Yeah, sauces really make or break it. Oh, yeah. Uh, obviously. That is like a... It's, I'm sure there's a name for it, but it's parsley, olive oil, red wine vinegar... Salt, pepper, gar- chim- chimichurri, garlic, yeah, with anch- a little bit of anchovy paste, yeah, and something I'm forgetting that makes it like an alt chimichurri. Okay, um, it's great. Wow, and you just that sounds very fun. Use a hand immersion blender. Anything with an anchovy in it is going to be fantastic. Yeah, you've been saying that for years. To yeah, me. I didn't get it until I made this sauce. I'm very pro anchovy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, have I been? Because that sounds like something I might have been telling you for years. No. Oh. <laughs> I tell a lot of people that. Do you? Because people are grossed out by anchovies. Uh, they get a bad rap. Yeah. You know, in the media, fake news. But anchovies were like a cartoon villain. Yes. You know, literally exactly. like cartoon characters would be like, P.U. <laughs> Dilbert would be like, the anchovies snuck up the fridge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's They're the most delicious thing. They're the most delicious flavor bomb you can add to anything. A sauce, a chimichurri, um, a salad. Um, a uh, dressing. Yeah. You know, Caesar dressing is all about the anchovy. My cheat code for that sauce was anchovy paste. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. I use that too. Because then it's very easy. It's like a little toothpaste. You get a little toothpaste uh, thing of anchovy. And I always use too much, just like when I'm brushing my teeth. (laughs) (laughs) All you need is a pea size. (laughs) All you need is a pea size. Still going through this? This This right here is a really good red lentil soup. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Did you make it from scratch? Uh-huh. So what's this vegetarian kick about? What's happening? Um, just trying to mitigate climate anxiety, prepare myself for when there's uh, less resources. What What was the documentary that did it? N- none. Don't lie to me. I, honestly, you none. You on Netflix? <laughs> no, it, it really wasn't. It's just uh, working for the opposition for a year uh-huh. and, and having to follow politics, especially from the right, for a year. I already followed it a little bit. Oof, that must have been tough on the brain. Brutal. Yeah. I would I would watch InfoWars at lunch. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I gained 20 pounds. <gasps> I gained 20 pounds in New York, which is wild. Did you actually? I did, yeah. No way. Yeah. From depression or from great food? Well, 
uh, I mean, we can laugh. We can laugh about everything. Uh, but my dad passed away two months into that job. Right, right, so right. So I was basically following alt-right politics. Oof. Uh, lost my dad, who's like my you know biggest role model supporter for like this career, um, and living in New York for the first time, which doesn't agree with me as much as L.A. or Chicago, I'll, I'll be honest, although I love it. Uh, and maybe it was just the time that I was there. But uh, yeah, I, it was a bad routine. I was drinking like three iced coffees a day. I was getting like a burrito at Pret in the morning. Pret a manger? Yeah. Really? <laughs> Eating a. I mean, because I would. Pret a manger is like a weird little, like, there in like Penn Station. Yes. It's like a Penn Station. It was, it was the one by like Madison Square Garden or something. Yeah. It's like I, a super ghetto Panera. Oh. <laughs> but I was depressed. So I was sleeping in. I was getting there at the last minute, grabbing a Pret burrito, like eating it in the corner during a morning meeting while we're watching Hannity clips and Judge Janine rants. Uh, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> then being like, I got to go get another iced coffee from Pret. <laughs> I got to get out of the office. I need to like clear everything. But uh, understanding kind of the entire media sphere and political sphere from both the left and right and, and center to a degree uh, was very depressing and made me hyper aware of certain things. Right. And in this small way, uh, I mitigate some of those anxieties in my daily routine. Yeah. And one of them is to try to... Um, Eat less meat. A little bit. But I, like, I'll never fully go off of it. Although sometimes I think like, well, meat wasn't always available to other to other generations. Yeah. You know? You'd have it in the backyard. But then like, think of this. You have a great recipe for a chicken. But you only have one chicken <laughs> right. probably for like a month. Yeah. What if you fuck it up? Yeah. <laughs> And everyone's like, thanks for fucking up our one chicken this month, asshole. Yeah. You're like, oh, sorry. And then you go back and you write in your notebook, well, I really did this wrong. I did this right. wrong. The oven was too hot, you know? And your cousin We're... who killed the chicken is all pissed at you. Yeah. You're like, dude, I had to go through all that, that emotional roller coaster for nothing. We're so spoiled now that limiting our convenience, I think, is a good practice Absolutely. just to test our own convenience. Absolutely. I mean, I, I try to eat meat once a week. I'm trying to limit it to once a week. Now. You? Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, d- mind you, when I go that once a week, I go hard. Yeah. You're cooking like I three ducks hard, a, bro. a goose. <laughs> yeah. A goose ducking. It's a goose <laughs> and a duck and a turkey. Wow. Good for you. Yeah. Um, we got to trade recipes about that. Honestly, I'm, I, I've am i been eating very basic lately. I just have like a, sa- a basic salad. Just stick my hand in the, in the pre-washed bag of salad that I get from Trader Joe's and just like put some vinaigrette on it and some beans and go fuck yourself yeah but you can jazz up anything yeah your friends know that i like to jazz things up <laughs> uh i'm using a lot of dill lately really yeah dill and salads oof do you like capers love you don't like capers no they're on my list have you had the smaller or the big ones or both i've had them all you've I, had them all i hate them <laughs> you ate all capers every once in a while someone will will sneak like roasted crispy capers into something yeah and I, I don't notice them at first. Uh-huh. I get tricked. Okay, what do you think they are before you put them in your mouth? Well, I don't think anything. Because they don't look like a lot of... Actually, it could look like a little uh, crisp uh, roasted vegetable side thing that fell off. Yeah. Wow. Are you not a pickle guy? Love pickles. Really? Mm-hmm. You just don't like capers? Yeah. Well, I love pickles. What, oh, my God. What is it about capers that you don't like? I don't know, man. It's like... It feels like that cilantro thing where 12% of people think it For tastes real? like soap. For me, it's, it's the worst flavor bomb. It will ruin any meal. Oh, wow. You have you might have a genetic, like, you got to do 23andMe and see if uh, caper hate comes up. I don't want to know how I die. 
<laughs> I'm not doing 23 and me. Have a bunch of people try to find me. Oh my god! Every Monday I get an email. You have 23 new cousins. I'm like, no, Seriously? yeah, I don't wow. need. To. <laughs> no, I don't want that. I don't want that. I got enough cousins. I, they're great. You're gonna find these like long lost cousins. They're gonna be like, oh my god, finally I found you. You're gonna be like, do you hate capers? <laughs> I'm like, I do hate capers. <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start getting some questions with you. All right, some rapid fire questions that are going to uh, to lead us into more food convos. And these you prepped me th- with these questions. I did prep you with these. Okay, yeah. Um, but before we get to that, actually, in New York, did you did you find any food, any restaurants that you were crazy about? Yeah, I did. Uh, in fact, a lot of oh, restaurants. Your sister was there, so she probably gave you the best list ever. She gave me some some good tips, although she was pregnant and then gave birth, and so I was there at a time when she wasn't leaving the house a ton. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of cut into our shared experience there. <sighs> Stupid nephew. <laughs> <laughs> Kid ruining your New York trip. Doesn't even eat hard food yet. God. Um, I loved. Well, I lived in Brooklyn Heights. Yeah, we talked about that. Yes. So I went to Noodle Pudding a lot. What's that? It's this cash-only Italian place that's been there for generations. Okay. Uh, which was great. It was. It felt. I had a handful of very New York places. I'd go to Frankie's Four Five Seven. Oh yeah, very good place. Great place. Um, good classic Italian, Southern Italian. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what Noodle Pudding would be in terms of like what type of Italian food it was, but it was comfort food. Um, Oh man, there was a. But you let you you gravitate more towards Chicago, in terms of food wise. Food wise, or do you? I thought I thought that's what you said before. You lived in Chicago for a while. You were in Second City main stage. What was the? Uh, what were you guys like after a show? Would you guys all go somewhere and uh, grab a bite or? Mm, not really. We'd usually go to Old Town Ale House and drink. Right. That's that one that has all the fun uh, pictures. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. owner paints pictures of all the regular alcoholics yeah. that come in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very cool and very sad at the yeah, same time. It's like you, if you went into John Coltrane's brain and opened up a bar, it would look like this place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that they didn't, that they never painted one of me. Although the guy, there was one dusty bottle of pastis there. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I had this accident where i i basically bruised my larynx falling on a cardboard box i broke my fall with my throat which is what they say they're like don't put your hands out <laughs> go throat first <laughs> and i had to stop drinking beer and eating dairy for like two years no way because it made me lose my voice and i had to protect my voice on stage because i was right. doing like you know six eight shows a week and uh so i started drinking pastis after shows <laughs> at the old town ale house no way bartender was like we haven't touched this bottle in like 10 years i'm like i don't care i love pastis it's kind of a it's a very uh, anise flavored uh liquor from nofro probably sofro sofro oh sofro yeah S- sudfra it's from sudfra <laughs> it's from sudfra um it's delicious you mix it with some ice maybe a little water water yeah you cut it like two parts water to one part pastis yeah it's very much it's like it's kind of like that arak like they have in turkey like that it's kind of clear and then it mixes with water and it clouds up a little yeah i love it i know and i hate black licorice and i fell in love with it because i really studied in the south of france you couldn't escape it oh yeah everyone's pushing it on you yeah it's like lacroix down there it is (laughs) (laughs) we'll be right back It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Back to Tim Baltz. Okay, so we're going to get into our, our questions we got here. I used to call them rapid fire questions, but there's no rush. <laughs> I don't know why I was calling them that. Like, you got to, we got to, we got to get these in in three seconds. No, we have a lot of time. So number one, we're going to go to your earliest food memory. My first food memory, to be honest, I was thinking about this. I think it's visiting my mom's parents and my grandma would make porridge for me. Um, and she would just make it just, most people in the U.S. would make it kind of thick. Yeah. And hers was a little runnier, mm-hmm. a little soupier. So your mom, your dad's side was the French side? No, my mom's your side. Your mom's side was the French side? Yeah. Oh, okay, got it. So this is French grandma. Yeah, French grandma would make me porridge uh, because I, I had an upset stomach a lot and I was a really picky eater for a long time. Mm-hmm. And she would make this to kind of calm my stomach. And then you would add sugar or lemon juice or, you know, whatever. Uh, and I just remember the ingredients being like better. Yeah. <laughs> it was the, it was the probably, I mean, the first memory that I can locate, but also it doubles as the first time that, and I had ended up having a lot of experience with this of comparing the quality of ingredients from one country to another. Yeah. And there it was just, it was so good. It would never leave my stomach hurting. It always pacified my stomach and we'd be coming in after, an eight-hour plane ride, and then a two-and-a-half-hour drive up to the north. Yeah. Because we never stayed in Paris. Um, and I didn't see Paris till I was 18. And then uh, so I'd be, like, puking in the car, and my grandma would take me and make me some porridge and uh. pacify my stomach and then put me to sleep probably for, like, 20 hours. <laughs> that is so – that's so charming. I think that's it's my like first – a little Ratatouille uh, story. Yeah, she was, she was great. Um, and – is there a difference? What is the main difference between northern French cuisine and southern French? I imagine there's a German influence in the north. A little bit, yeah. There's more like sausage, boudin blanc. And, oh, yeah. Uh, um, I love boudin noir. Are you a boudin noir guy? Yeah, yeah. It's like blood sausage. We used to go get these white sausages. Because they. what was lovely about going there, and this is obviously way before technology, because this would be like you know my first memories are the mid-'80s, um, they were retired. Uh, they lived in a condo that had a few rooms, but we were all pretty piled into this condo. Yeah. And everything was just about one meal a day. One meal at a time. Mm-hmm. Every Not one meal a day. One meal at a time right. every day. And so you'd get up, you'd eat breakfast, and then there'd be like a good half an hour to an hour of people being like, oh, well, what do you think we're going to have for lunch? <laughs> right. You know, and it'd kind of negotiate back and forth, and then they'd be like, all right, well... Let's go to the market. Can we walk or should we drive? You know, well, let's go there. Okay, well, then we should drive because that's the best place and it's, you know, seven minute drive. And then you'd ever, we'd get in the car and we'd go drive and, you know, and negotiate with the people and pick the right thing and then bring it back. And then, you know, and lunch was more the big meal of the day, right? Not dinner. Uh, and so then you'd have that and you're like, okay, well, that was very good. And, and they didn't really, it wasn't like freezer culture, leftover culture. Right. You really would repurpose it day of, maybe next day. Yeah. So the fridges were small. That was another thing I remember being like, these fridges are so small. Oh, interesting. Cause they're just going to buy everything every day. Yeah. And they didn't use ice. There's no, no one's using ice. Why, why make something colder? <laughs> these odd little things that there made, um, made sense but didn't make sense here and you then, mean like ice and like drinks and stuff like that yeah. yeah 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 no one put ice in water right they're a very room temperature people in y- france yeah but yeah. The, these things that that seemed that that were 
common practice there uh, and may have been arbitrary, but were accepted as cultural tradition and norms here were different and vice versa. And so from a very early age, I had this sense of arbitrariness to a lot of cultural traditions, customs, norms that at times would make me frustrated when people stuck to them so uh, fastidiously. Interesting. And, and that I think gave me a little bit of an existentialism earlier in life than most people because I'm like, it doesn't fucking matter. You accept it because it's always been there, but you, you will get used to anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, however, it must have been a tough uh, managing of those two worlds because you're talking about France, which probably has the most, let's call it elevated food culture in the world. They invented, you know, food being a culture, basically. Right. And then the Midwest, which is sort of <laughs> the complete opposite, uh, like just kind of... You know, uh, cheese curds and fried raviolis. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, 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 I, I will say now that their food culture is actually getting really, really good. But when you were growing up, I imagine there was nothing going on there. No. New York was, was kind of a wasteland when I was growing up there. So I can't imagine Joliet. I remember you telling me about, well, no, it was in the episode you did with Michelle Buteau and talking about how your dad would find all these like little gems in the city because he loved that. Yeah. Having studied in, in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. There was not, it was, they were pretty incongruent. I, the I'll, little gems in Juliet. My mom's cooking was the, the best food in town. Yeah. And so my friends would always kind of loiter at the end of their play dates and be like, can I stay for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. I can't imagine having to juggle those two. It was odd. Oof. It was Our house was a little oasis in, in that sense. Yeah. And then I was picky. I was a picky eater until I was like 16 or 17 and... When I finally kind of flipped and realized it was a lot of it was just mental. Yeah. Um, I realized I'd been missing out on half of my mom's cooking. Interesting. I didn't eat fish other than fish sticks until I was like 17. Really? Yeah. Because I was just like, oh, gross. But also, you know, Juliet's not getting the best fish. Your poor mom. She's like, finally, I got this beautiful soul. And you're like, I want the fucking fish sticks, mom. <laughs> Put the soul away. I know. <laughs> Bring the ketchup. <laughs> it's funny. You were talking about the cultural differences in, in, uh, and just like little the the room temperature stuff. I remember when I was in Paris last, I was like um, sitting down for dinner, and I was like, "Can I just get some water?" And they're like, "Americans," <laughs> like even just <laughs> asking for water at the table. I was like, "Oh God, here we go." And I didn't, I never realized like, oh, that's like a weird thing, I guess, to We're, not just mainline wine throughout, mm. like, and just not dilute it at all. I know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know. Well, because also everything in moderation. So, well, this is the other thing, and I think this might have been what we were yelling about at the bar because I <laughs> I had just come, this is like three years ago. Yeah, too. I know, but I think I'd just come back from Paris, and I think that I was like, I was so shocked that I was I was going to like the best fucking restaurants in that town, and the best restaurants you went to, you could get a glass of red wine for three euros. Mm. And that blew my mind. Like it yeah. changed the game. Because here you go to like a mediocre restaurant and the wines by the glass like start at 15 bucks. You're like, what the fuck, man? Well, you realize that the the import-export uh, wine market is not about selling every great wine. It's about selling certain wines with certain labels at higher prices. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're the best grapes are going to it. You right. know? They're going to keep... One vineyard's going to put out a few different types of wine, and some of it's just going to be domestic, and that it might just be the best grapes that they have. Yeah. Or, or because it's the cheapest, it just tastes better. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it's technically the same quality grape 
at a cheaper price. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's what you were yelling about. Very loud. Wow. Well, you, you pumped me full of booze and got me going. <laughs> uh, what is your death row meal? Death row meal def- includes some of my mom's standards. Okay. Uh, she makes an almond tart, usually for Whoa. the holidays. That's incredible. I love an almond tart. I'm mildly allergic to almonds, and every year I'm just like, fuck it. <laughs> you just F you pen to the heart and yeah. take, take a bite. I don't care. I've got hives at the end of the meal, smiling like an idiot. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and her creme brulee is the best I've ever had. Really? Yeah, and her recipe is slightly tweaked. I'll tell you off air what it is. Wow. Um, Green Eggs and Dan exclusive just for me. And she's coming for the holidays, so we're going to make a a bunch. Really? Yeah, and I'll save you one. Oh, my God, please. Yeah. Uh, I'm so curious about the tweak now. Anchovies? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) anchovies. So those two things for sure. Okay. And then, I don't know. Can Can I make my own meal? Yeah. She makes these little... Sure. Potato. The, the prison has their own little kitchen. You can go in and <laughs> cook I, up a storm before they. I'd probably make myself. This would be sad, but since it's my last meal, and, and this is consistently, especially when I was poor, was such a staple. I'd make myself like a toasted peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Okay. Um, what kind of peanut butter? Creamy. Creamy basic Jif. I mean, it's your last meal, so yeah, I'll go Jif. <laughs> uh, and then probably like, um, like. Probably like strawberry bun maman. Oh yeah, that brand. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's nice. in my fridge. Oh yeah. yeah, you had the uh, the bun maman. I wanted to talk about that because it's like this jelly brand that like it looks so artisanal and it looks like your grandma just like picked up her little fucking uh, fountain pen and and wrote on the label. I, I I have I have a feeling it's like but it, it's like a it's like a very big box. Like yeah. You can get it at Costco, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's like made in the same factory as like Coca Cola, I imagine. And they just like, sure. they just, but, but I always fall for it. I'm like, oh, this looks very charming. Like I bought it from the farmer's market. Well, and the glass container that it comes in. Yeah. Like now we reuse that. Anytime we have, like, you know, we chop a bunch of herbs and we're like, oh, shit, we made too many. We'll use these tomorrow. We just throw them in that. Yeah. Um, so we're on to you, Bon Maman. Yeah. Bon maman. Are you as bun as you say maman? Yeah. Are you even a maman, mom? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what is the best high-end meal you've ever had? I think we've talked about this before, too. My sister took me in 2013 to Chateaubriand in Paris. Oh, yeah. In the 9th. Yes. That was... And you also in that Michelle Buteau episode, I'll bring it up, the, uh, but you talked about how you guys were kind of over like large course Yes. You know, uh, but that was 21 or 23 courses with a pairing for each one. Wow. I mean, I still think about, I have pictures on my phone still from that whole meal. Wow. My sister and I slowly just getting bombed together. Four hours? Pretty much. They, they snuck us in. She knew the sous chef. It's like a four month waiting period to get in. And we happened to be there at the same time in 2013. And she's like, hey, I know the sous chef from this one thing. She thinks she can sneak us in at the end of the bar. We can't get a table, but we basically can share one seat at the end of the bar. And I'm like, sure. I'm you had in. a four-hour tasting menu at a bar? Yeah. Wow. It was incredible. That's crazy. And they would bring out like they bring out this Grecian wine and they're like, yeah, this vineyard is 200 years old. And, and actually, they just shut down. And this is the last the, a bottle from the last case they ever produced. Oh, my God. You're like, okay. And then they pour it, and you're like, it's so good. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. Uh, They're like feeding you endangered species. Like, this is a snow leopard. <laughs> this is the last one. <laughs> that, In terms of food, that's probably the best 
dining, high-end dining experience I've ever that had. That sounds amazing. What yeah. was do you, is there one dish that stood out? Yes, there, and I, I have I have a picture of it printed. We'll out. post it. I'll post it after your fridge. I'll try to find it. It's they served the small bowl with a cube of um, a cube of nigiri, I think. Uh-huh. Uh Maybe it was tuna, but it was so it was nigiri is raw tuna in this vinegar-based sauce with like one herb garnish on it. And the cube was kind of substantial. And I love vinegar. Mm-hmm. I, I can feel it in my mouth right now. Like I can taste it. It's the best taste I've ever experienced. Wow. Um, Pretty yeah. cool that that it was... Because uh, Chateaubriand is a French restaurant, I imagine. Yeah. So to have a little... Japanese fusion action going on. Yeah. Pretty exciting. It was, if you get to go there, at the time it was like the eighth or ninth highest rated um, restaurant in the world. Really? Yeah. And I didn't know much about it. Again, my sister introduced me to a lot of those things. She got to shoot those chefs in their kitchens uh, a lot, like 10 years ago. Right. She did El Bui. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. El Bui is... uh... Uh, what's his name? I'm forgetting the chef's name, but it was a restaurant in, in uh, like an hour away from San Sebastian. That was like the the uh, molecular gastronomy, like holy grail restaurant. Yeah, and then there's a, like a lunch place that the guy's parents run that everyone's like, it's better. Really? It's like across the street or something. I don't know. Wow. My sister's been a couple times. And uh, I that that's a huge regret of mine that I never got to go there. <laughs> it did it close? Yeah, oh. it's done. Well. Much like the Grecian wine. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's over. Uh, my main point about that is shout out to my sister because I was very resistant to that type of food culture, I think. Yeah. Maybe it's because of Midwest origins, but her introduction to it, like it was so friendly and and easy and patient yeah. that uh, she helped me understand what about it is makes for a, a unique, great experience. Okay. Without that, I may have been like a midwest snob yeah about it and been like i don't need that <laughs> um but thanks to her now i'm like oh this is great all right we forgive her for having an, a baby at an inopportune time <laughs> and he's the best you made up for it uh what's your best low-end meal you've ever had let me look at this list because like i said there are a couple Juliet places on this list um okay that's okay low-end meal and I don't want to shade any place by calling it low end. No, low end is not my. I, I might my low end meal might be. Uh, I might hold it in higher esteem than my my best high end meal. Okay. Yeah. What qualifies it as low end price? I'd say probably price. Price. Okay. Um. This is going back a little bit, and I, I love this place. They recently shut down and then reopened. The owners sold to a person, but I, I went back when I was in Chicago. It's a place called Penny's Noodle Shop in Chicago. Okay. Um, it's Thai food. And when I was broke right out of college, it was kind of the only sit-down place I could afford. Hmm. It was really cheap. It was BYOB. And I would go and just get slammed and eat a ton of food and was always left satisfied. Wow. I loved it. And I don't, low end, like, I wouldn't even call it low end, and I go there every time I'm back in Chicago. They closed all their locations, and oddly enough, this is a really small world coincidence. Um, It was probably my first, like, favorite place to go to in Chicago. It was my first date place. It was where I first started drinking wine, you know, as an adult. Yeah. Because it was BYOB, and and 
Uh, I could get a cheap bottle there and, and share it with friends. I didn't meet Lily until I moved to LA. Uh So I didn't know her in Chicago, even though she grew up there. Um, she worked at one of the locations as a waitress. Oh, wow. Yeah. Look at that. And I didn't know that. Huh. And it's my favorite place. Oh, like, you guys didn't, you didn't know that from before? No. Huh. Like I have, it, I still have it on speed dial on my phone. Wow. What yeah. would you get there? I would get uh, chicken pad Thai. Yeah, I got but it. But they were really thin noodles. Uh-huh. I don't know if it was Northern Thai. I, I, I forget. They were thin and thick? No, they were super thin, dark I just noodles. said it, I just said they were thin and thick. <laughs> thin and thick. <laughs> what I, what I meant was they flat? were yeah flat. No. Thank you. <laughs> no, not those. They were the thin and thick noodles. Yeah, yeah. Well, they had Ladnar with those noodles, the one that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, they just had, they had like three or four comfort things, uh, tom yum soup, um, that you just can't miss. There might be a Thai restaurant that, uh, if we're gonna do lunch after this, I've got one in mind that's very close. That's very very good. Yeah. Yeah. It's called Love to Eat Thai. What, is the, it? Is the, it in that little like? It's in a little strip mall parking lot. There's, it's all Thai. Uh, no, that's a different one. That's uh, Ruin Pear is another option. We're gonna. We'll. we'll okay. Uh, we got some good options. This is actually a good area for for uh, for Thai food. Um, what is your favorite drunk food? Now this is a Joliet thing. My favorite drunk food is this place in Joliet called Chicken and Spice. Okay. That's basically like a Popeyes chicken, but it's it's. Just it only exists in Joliet, um, to my knowledge. Yeah, and uh, they make chicken chunks, and they're just like these fried chicken chunks. Great Love. barbecue sauce. Uh, it was close to my high school, so if you were ditching class, you would go to Chicken and Spice, and you have to watch out for cops and truancy officers who are trying to bust you and take you back to school. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and it was yeah, it's it's great. There's a couple places in Joliet like Joe's Hot Dogs. And uh, submarine dock. <laughs> These names are great. <laughs> chicken and spice, Joe's hot dogs. <laughs> but submarine docks. Chicken and spice was, you know, you get that and you get potato wedges and you just Oof. drown it all in barbecue sauce. Love, 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 love. Uh, favorite hangover food? Also, Juliet. Gotta shout out. This is my favorite place in the fucking world. Okay. Home cut donuts. Home cut donuts. It's a cake donut. I place. love that name. It's. Oh my god. I love this place. It's number one. That actually, I got to add some of those to my death row meal. Really? Yeah. They have they're ca- all cake donuts. Um, it's been around for over 50 years in this place. Um, they had a couple locations, and now they might only have one, but it wasn't too far from where I grew up, and the donuts were great. They were cheap. There was a cherry cake donut that was glazed that I, I have to have, and they had this thing called donut a stick donut. Yeah. Which was literally just a cake donut on a stick Love it. with sprinkles. <laughs> and the color of the sprinkles would change. And you'd eat it like a big lollipop kind of? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's fun. Oh, yeah. Well, I feel like you take two bites and it would fall off though, no? You're right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you got to know how to eat it. Right, right. You know, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, science. This is a lot of physics involved. <laughs> yeah. And it has a little counter and people are always sitting there reading the paper and drinking coffee. And I just, I, like my some of my favorite childhood memories are that place. I love a good donut, and I think that uh, they need like I I love a good like pretentious like artisanal donut. Oh, you do? I do, but I also love like an old school like a sour cream donut. Mm-hmm. Oof! What's your place here? I don't have one. You go to Kettle Glazed? I don't have one. I just fucking said. 
But I didn't say, do you have one? I said, do you go to Kettle Glazed? Yeah, I don't have one. <laughs> but you don't like Kettle Glazed? I don't know, man. The donuts, they have sour they cream donuts? got those donuts? thick and thin-ass donuts. <laughs> uh, do they have sour cream donuts there? Yeah, uh, they have a sour cream, like, plain glazed donut. Our friend Mandel is a very big uh, donut donut fan. Yes. Has she recommended any places? I don't know. I've never, like asked her i feel like you know what i feel like i don't i don't I, I don't think i would trust her her food recommendations i don't <laughs> <laughs> well like, mandel sorry if you're listening yeah mandel well, mandel would be great for donuts because you know you know what donuts represent for mandel cheat day it is a cheat day well that's the thing she's like a very very attractive skinny woman telling me like where to get don't i'm like ah uh, skinny cooks can't be trusted mandel come on my grandma had an apron. You don't look like you know anything about donuts. <laughs> <laughs> but you know she does, because if she's only going to use it as a cheat day, you got to be very specific and she choosy. Does. She does. On her birthday, she'll eat like a fucking box of donuts. <laughs> Ate her life for a week. That's right. She had a donut party for her birthday. <laughs> yeah. My grandma had an apron that said skinny cooks can't be trusted on it. Really? My American grandma, yeah. Yeah, that sounds like more of the American grandma. She didn't really cook, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think she did. She couldn't be trusted either. Uh, do you have a favorite celebrity chef? I don't. Or a celebrity, or a favorite food personality? Um, no, I don't. Really? I mean, I'll I'll take this time to stump for another restaurant in Paris. Um. Okay. Uh, do you know Ver Volet? Yes, Ver Volet is fantastic. That's probably the best meal that I had in Paris last time I went there. Did I tell you to go there? I thought I told you to go there table flipping you guys can't see it no my sister told me to go oh she did yeah okay yeah yeah and their wine is incredible yeah verbole is like kind of like the they've started the trend of like new french food which is was like a lot of these young chefs were like turning away from the fussiness of like the french food experience and they wanted to have like a way more casual thing and it was kind of a revolutionary restaurant because you know in france those things were frowned upon yeah they were going very against against tradition their fucking food there is ridiculous. Oh my god! I think one of my meals that I remember was a was a sort of a tuna tartare with some crispy onions on top. Uh huh. And it was like, yeah, with some soy sauce. Like it was not what you would think of as French food, but it's definitely a French restaurant. Like you'd go there and be like, oh yeah, I see the influence of France in this food, and it's fucking awesome. And it's not so casual. Although I, <laughs> the last time I was there, I was there. With, um, a bunch of opposition people ended up there on vacation, uh-huh. and I went with Aaron Jackson and his husband, and we were ignored for like an hour. Really? I was furious. Well, that's the French part. <laughs> but I, th- I, I feel like like I'm like I'm half French. Don't do this to me. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> I, you know, and I think that's a bad stereotype. I don't. I didn't find that French people were rude at all. I thought. I mean, everyone's you'll find some bad, but that's that's a shitty thing. That would mess up a meal for me. They were just. They were. We were having too good of a time with a couple bottles of wine, and I think... Oh, they ignored you while you were sitting down, you mean? Yeah. You know what? That's another thing where I think in France, I think that they see that as like, we're just going to let you enjoy for like hours. And like the, there's no, there's like, you know, where here there's like a lot of pressure for turnover and the, you know, they want to like rush you out. There, they're not getting paid in tips really. So they're just like, I don't give a fuck. Yep. 
<laughs> which changes the experience and also you adapt to it yeah absolutely that needs that definitely needs an adaptation because in the beginning i was definitely just like looking up like where the fuck is yeah like, and like you see like your waitress outside smoking a cigarette <laughs> like what is going on here oh i also had the funniest uh re- get me beat. my iced water now <laughs> <laughs> yeah they don't i mean but you also realize like oh i don't need to be waited on hand and foot like yeah. i'm used to absolutely um the uh that's my favorite like being recognized story that I have is that this there was a woman in like a white shirt dress that was there that kept going out to smoke and she kept staring at me. And so, you know, I'm sitting next to Lily, putting my hand on her hand and being like, you know, I'm not available. Thank you for the glances, um, that kind of energy. And, <laughs> and eventually like we we're getting up to leave and she's like coming in from smoking a cigarette and she goes, uh, and in French, she's like, excuse me, are you an actor? And I'm like, uh, yes, yeah. And she goes, okay, and walks away. <laughs> Shut up. And I was like, do you, what? what? How? What? No, no one here should know me. <laughs> oh but if you do, wh- what from? Yes, please come back, fan. I need to know more. <laughs> Didn't seem like a fan. No. It yeah. was just one of those people who's like, I recognize you from this. Maybe she hated your work. I don't know. Sometimes you get podcast people that... Will come up to you and be like, "Heard you on that podcast." Uh, okay. Oh, so you hate me? Cool. Great. Thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we're also just so super sensitive when someone comes up to us and is like, "Wait, you're like whatever you say right after like someone recogn- what after right after you recognize someone is like we're like please be nice." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, our, our senses are all heightened in that yeah. moment. Yeah, it'd be the type of thing where like, you were on Bajillion Dollar Properties? Oh my God. Yeah, Tim Baltz was awesome in that. Oh I'm like, boy. Boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've gotten that a lot. Back to Tim in a moment, but before that, you know when you buy a bunch of parsley to garnish one dish and then you have nothing to do with the rest of it? Make chimichurri. It's one of my go-to condiments and it's super easy and very, very customizable. Mix a bunch of parsley, some cilantro, an onion or a shallot, olive oil, salt, pepper, vinegar, and something hot, a chili, sriracha, whatever. It's great on meat, fish, eggs, anything. There are no rules with chimichurri. Translated, the word actually means, I don't give a fuck. Let's get back to Tim. Ooh, okay. Desert island food. You're trapped on a desert island. You have to eat one thing. Oof. You're not going to get tired of it. This one. This was the hardest one. This one really angered um, Scott Ackerman. Yeah. At this point, Scott was like, all these questions are the same. <laughs> I'm answering the same question <laughs> nine different ways, <laughs> which he's not wrong, but it, it spurs conversation and, it's, and it sends us on different pathways. So pathways. is this, is this the, like, does it need to give you energy? Does it, or it's purely just like, you know what? I think I could eat this the most consecutively. I think that's probably what it is. Yes. I, I wouldn't take it too literal. I wouldn't be like looking for the food with the most electro, electrolytes to okay. get you through like the, the drought. Or, yeah, all right. So if it, there's no nutrition it's involved. It's not like Pedialyte. Pedialyte is not. <laughs> I would choose Pedialyte. <laughs> Pedialyte, Soylent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that really thick beige naked juice. Yeah. The protein one. Yeah, the mangoes and... <laughs> uh, let's see. I think I would... I'd take another one of my mom's staples, which is um, cubed potatoes. Okay. That are pan-fried with a little bit of butter, olive oil. It takes like 
20 or 30 minutes to make these because mm. you have to move really slowly with them. Yeah. Turn them a lot. And she doesn't boil them first. Uh, no. Yeah. Um, so you peel the potatoes, you cube them, uh, you pan fry them in uh, butter, olive oil, salt, pepper, and then uh, you just like turn those, make sure that they're seasoned, you know, uh, liberally. Uh, liberally. And then with about two minutes to go, you add garlic. Yeah. So that the garlic's just barely browned. So it doesn't burn. That's like a that's a that that's an advanced level uh food move right there. And Always then, at it last. And then a minute left, you add um finely diced, finely chopped parsley. Ooh. And uh ooh, madone. Yeah. I I could eat that. I, Lily's always like, no, not again. <laughs> like, really? I'll, I'll make this. I love I, it. I'd love to make this for us. I love it. Yeah. No, it sounds great. Um, I'd like you to make that for me once. I think you'd like that. I'd like it. And uh, yeah, tell Lily I'm gunning for her. I don't <laughs> want to put your hand on her. <laughs> Last question. Ready? Yeah. This is my favorite question um, because I have so many of them. Right. But what is your restaurant pet peeve? Mm. I want to be nice. Slowly. Don't be nice, man. I got to smack the fucking Midwest out of here. <laughs> Let it out. Um, I, being ignored. Being ignored. Yeah. And kind of... You want to be seen. You want to be heard. Seen, heard. But but if you're ignored and someone else who's arrived... I'm sure many people have said this in season one of your podcast. But if you've arrived at, before someone and they've arrived after you or well after you, and they're getting service before you're getting service, I really do think it should be as close to chronological order as possible. Yeah, agreed. That's Actually, this is Michelle Buteau's uh, pet peeve. It you was. and Michelle have a lot in common food-wise. Yeah, uh, that to me is, that drives me bonkers. Really? That's what I have to tune out because, like, I've worked in a restaurant. Yeah. Uh, I was terrible. Um, Lily works in a restaurant, and so I'm very aware of... The mechanics, the logistics of it, you yeah. can't, it's not you a You want to be empathetic to yes. the situation. But that, to me, at a certain point, I'm like, you know, snapping my fingers, doing the Carmela Soprano, like, <laughs> hand gesture, come here. <laughs> like, the weird thing is you've done this when Lily was working at the restaurant <laughs> with Lily. <laughs> miss, <laughs> miss. <laughs> yeah, that's my, but I mean, I was the worst waiter of all time, so I also have a lot of empathy. Were you? I was. Why were you such a bad waiter? Uh... Okay, first look at look at how this is how far back my hand bends. Oh, okay, so you couldn't like hold a plate. I could, but I was literally leaning back like a waiter in triplets of Belleville. Oh, got it. Like full on rotator cuff. Like I just my wrist doesn't bend back. Okay, and we had to. I worked. <laughs> I worked for about three months at Uncle Julio's Hacienda in Chicago. Okay, which is a shout out Tex-Mex chain. Yeah, that's mostly in Texas. Yeah. Uh, and has a couple locations elsewhere. I was right out of college. I just needed a job. I literally paid rent and looked at my bank account and had half a month's rent left. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. Call, time to call Uncle Louie. <laughs> Uncle Julio. Uncle Julio. <laughs> uh, I just, I sucked, man. I, I really... Why? I, I'm surprised. I could see you being very attentive. I could see you wanting to please. I think I was too much in that. I wasn't fast enough. Okay. And so I was too, and I was too attentive. Okay. So you give me two tables, I'll knock it out of the park. <laughs> but suddenly three tables, four tables, which isn't much. Right. Uh, and, and I was like, the juggling is just too, I can't give them the service that they want. And, and I'd never done it before. Right. 
I hadn't had like a diner job or I hadn't worked at Baker Square, you know, something that kind of where the stakes are low and the, you know, no one really cares. Yeah, you went straight to Uncle Julio, man. (laughs) That shit gets real at Uncle Julio. Well, the problem is that it was really busy. The place would get slammed. Right, 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 right. But I sucked so much. Oh, yeah, I bet being a waitress or a waiter at like fucking Fridays is impossible. I know. Because it's like kids and tables and like families and like... Everyone making demands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the food's all basically the same. Right. (laughs) It's tortillas and beans and cheese and some different... But but if the kitchen fucks that up, you're going to get yelled at over the kitchen fucking up like some honey glazed undercooked salmon right oh boy this place was it had a lot of comfort food but it was known for its swirls which were uh iced like frozen margaritas people would get fucked up at this place is what i'm saying yeah really trashed come for the salmon stay for the swirls (laughs) at the hacienda i was so bad i i drafted I would have nightmares about dropping trays. Right. And well the tray it's very hard to manage a tray because when you pull a plate off of the tray, you have to overcompensate your weight on the other side to keep that tray going. Well they would have tray jacks because their trays were like this big. They okay, had huge trays. So you'd sit the tray down. You sit the tray down. But I was bad at that because of Did how they had my... the fajita the fajitas that would uh, that would, you know, be dramatic dramatically, you know, smoking s- up the restaurant. Smoking up yes. The- <laughs> for real. Yeah. I try not to get burned. So I dropped one tray of dirty dishes in the kitchen. No big deal. Um, but then another, I never, I only sold one special. You're always like, you're getting, you like, you push specials and like whoever wins this week with the most specials gets a prize. I was n- never in the running for that. I sold. What was the prize? I don't know. It'd be like, you know, a $50 gift card to some place or whatever. Right. Uh, maybe cash. I sold one special, a rainbow trout special, and I was shocked. I was like, really? You want to buy it? Oh, sounds so bad at selling it. So Midwest. <laughs> and they, we had a patio, but there were tray jacks outside on the patio. So you wouldn't, you, it alleviated you having to open the door with a tray, with a tray jack in your other hand while you're trying to open the door. But I showed up super hungover one day. Yeah. And I sell a special and I'm shocked to this like older couple i'm like oh okay yeah great i'll go put that in uh, uh, and i stumble back to the kitchen i put it in um you know it comes out and i'm like okay great wow i sold this special and probably like you know a, a side of guacamole and chips and i'm coming back and I, I go they're on the patio so i go to open the door and i'm like oh shoot i need a tray jack and i grab a tray jack inside and then try to open the door with the tray jack oh, and and so it's just smacking against me. I'm just hitting myself with the tray jack and the door right. as this tray is slowly sliding oh, off my hand. No. And my buddy Hector was watching and he says, in slow motion, I watched it slide out of your hand. And then to try to save it, you pinned it against the wall. <laughs> so I just pinned this tray with a side of guacamole and chips and a rainbow trout special up against the wall. Pinned it like nothing was falling. So it's pinned up against the wall, and he goes, and you sadly kept your hand there for like four or five seconds, and then and the tray jack had fallen away, and then you released it and let it all fall to the ground with the saddest look on your face. <laughs> and then I had to go outside and be like, uh, there's been an accident with your rainbow trout special, and they're like, who cares? Give me the fajitas. And I'm like, no. Oh, no. So I didn't even get credit. Oh, no. I was so bad. My parents came once, and they were like, we were cringing the whole time. 
Oh, you missed out on the $50 gift certificate, too. <laughs> I, uh, I love to think that it was a $50 gift certificate to somewhere that, like, $50 does not go a long way. Like, it was, like, to design within reach. <laughs> like, <laughs> restoration hardware. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> you could buy a pamphlet for our store. Oh, <laughs> uh, Tim, thank you so much. Is there anything that you'd like to plug before we get out of here? What should I plug? You mean, like, food-wise? or uh, Food-wise or show-wise or, or your socials? You oh, yeah, my that. socials. Uh, let's see. On... On Instagram, my social is, I should have these memorized, but it's, <laughs> I changed it years ago. My It's Tim.Baltz on Instagram. It's Tim underscore Baltz on Twitter. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. It sucks, right? Yeah. Um, but people can figure it out. Uh, what can I plug? Oh, well, Righteous Gemstones on HBO. Season one is still streaming. Fantastic. Um, the Season two is uh, starting up soon. Yeah. To, uh, shooting soon or you shot it already? No, we'll shoot probably in like two months. They'll okay, probably cool. come out same time late next summer Okay. in 2020. Amazing show. Great show. Films in Charleston, uh, which is fantastic. I didn't really know, but also has like a great foodie culture. Amazing food city. It really rivals LA and New York. To a degree that I did not expect. Wow, shots fired. You can shots go. from the south. The <laughs> south will rise again. But it really is like a very um, well-rounded uh, community for food. There, the people challenge each other. The bar of quality is really high. Yes. So if a place doesn't meet that bar, like that bar, it, it kind of disappears quickly. There's and a lot of southern pride in this resurgence of like. Because uh, I feel like Southern food got shat on for a long time. It yeah. was just like, it was very like Paula Dini, just kind of overly like, you know, everything was deep fried. Too and comfort foodie. Yes, yeah. too comfort foodie. And now I think Sean Brock at Husk, I think he's got a yes. one in, in, in Charleston as well, has started this resurgence of like, like hyper local Southern food and it's delicious. That's what it is. A lot of native foods, a lot of native grains and... Oh, the oysters from the fucking South? I got it. There, there's this place, one six seven raw, that is one of the best dining experiences. That that, like the list that you sent was a little too specific for me to, but I would pick oysters from one six seven raw. Uh, oh unbelievable. yeah, I also gone to the ordinary a ton. That's that place is amazing. Little Jack's for is one of the best burgers you'll ever have. Obstinate Daughter is probably one of the one of the best restaurants that I, that I've ever been to. Really? Yeah, on Sullivan's Island. I the, I mean I could go on and on about all the different places. I love it. I mean, I, I work in Atlanta a bunch and the Atlanta food, the, the oysters, they had like oysters that were like South Carolina oysters. Yeah. And I was like, what, fu what the fuck does South Carolina know about oysters? You know, because we associated with Maine and Pacific Northwest and whatever. But man, they blew me the fuck away. I, it was hard to not gain weight in between scenes yeah it's <laughs> so delicious we'd, we'd block shoot so i'd have him got really fat on episode 13 <laughs> well the thing is within episodes there'd be like eight days in between filming a, the scene at the beginning of an episode and a scene at the end yeah and like day six i'd be like oh smacking my jowls like oh boy <laughs> smacking my jowls <laughs> i'm gonna need to sweat for two days to like knock this knock some of the pudginess out of me i love it yeah shout out to the charleston food scene oh yeah killing it This episode of Green Eggs and Dan was produced by Andrew Steven. Executive produced by Jeff Umbro and The Podglomerate. You can find more of their podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music is Beautiful Food by Idan. And interstitial music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Special thanks to Erios. To see pictures of Tim Baltz's fridge, information about the restaurants mentioned in the episode, and more, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at StandUpDan. 
If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.